0: Welcome to the Mastering College to Career Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Botero, and in this podcast, we help college students just like you get internships and job offers from top companies. In this podcast, we explore topics such as networking, interviewing, resume writing, and many other topics that will get you those jobs. Not only do I speak on these topics myself but I also interview other subject matter experts, including CEOs, university presidents, and Fortune 500 executives. We also interview college students just like you in the hopes that you can relate to their stories and learn from their journey. So if you're a college student looking to get ahead, look no further, and welcome to the Mastering College to Career podcast. All right, so before we get started, I want to take a couple of seconds to tell you about the Mastering College to Career Academy. The Academy is a mentoring program that helps college students land the jobs of their dreams before they graduate. In this academy, I will teach you application hacks that will automatically help you beat over 90% of all other job applicants. Networking tactics that will give you access to the hidden job market where over 80% of jobs are filled. Interview techniques That will practically guarantee you make it through every round of the interviews and win the offer. And I will also connect you with my network of thousands of HR professionals and hiring managers that love hiring my students. So if you're interested in learning more about this program, just send me a message and let's see if the Academy is a good fit for you. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode of the Mastering College to Career Podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, today's episode, oh, you guys are lucky because today I am talking to a legend, a legend in this space. I am talking to my DSP brother, Jerry Lee, COO of One Sultene, Senior Strategy and Ops Manager at Google, Superhero, Mentor of Millions. How are you doing, my friend, Gary? <laughs>
1: yeah, you are too, too kind to me, but uh, I am doing great. I am so excited to be here and chat with you, uh, but could not be more thankful to have you as a friend and someone who always sends me really interesting things.
0: Man, so look, you, how many times have you spoken, whether it's a webinar, LinkedIn Live, podcast, just in two th- 2020?
1: Ooh, just 2020. So it's May now. So about half a year, I think we've done about 40 or 50 this year. Yeah. Um, and last year was about, we ended at like 50 or 60. And so we've been doing so many speaking engagements, so many LinkedIn lives and events because we're in a special time today. The pandemic is really affecting people and people need that help. So we're doing as much as we can to partner with as many people to just get the word out. So,
0: that, you know, when they say, oh, I've had, you know, one year of speaking experience, three years of speaking experience. Jerry has had a lifetime of experience. In just, <laughs>
1: in just, just Falling in your shadows, Daniel. just
0: six months, you know, wow. Look, you probably get so many interviews. I'm not even going to go down to the boring questions. We're just going to go into some interesting questions that students probably want to ask you, but just never get to ask you. Let's do it. What? You know, so you work at Google and, you know, Google is famous for asking some really crazy interview questions. What right. is the craziest interview question you've ever been asked?
1: That is a great question. I can't share the actual questions that we share internally, but. <laughs> you've
0: ever been asked. You've ever been oh, asked. Oh, I've ever
1: been asked. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The, the craziest interview I've ever been, I've ever had was um, was at one of the largest consulting firms. They invited me. I sat down with a partner and he said, you know what? I spoke to you last night for three hours. It was a great conversation. What questions do you have for me? And that was it. It was just, that was two minutes into the interview. And I just had to start asking this guy question after question, but also making sure that I weave in what I can bring to the table right? Because the context is we uh, had a happy hour the night before, bunch of students, bunch of people just talking, mingling. I saw this one one guy just kind of sitting off in the corner. I was like, all right, I'm going to approach him. I spoke to him for three hours, just about life, his career and everything. So I knew all about the guy. But what was crazy is he used my interviewer the next, very next day. And he was like, you know, just, just laid it on me. And so um, at least in that scenario, that was the weirdest interview I've ever had because it wasn't an interview. It felt more like me interviewing him, but also trying to weave in my experiences and why I would be of value to the firm.
0: That that's interesting. So what do you think companies, you know, like they, you know, have weird interview questions, like throw curveballs. What are they trying to get? When they ask you like um how many tennis balls fit in a oh. school bus, like why do they ask those questions?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So those questions are depending on if you're in software, depending on if you're in consulting. Software calls them Fermi questions. If you're in consulting, they call them market sizing questions. At the end of the day, those companies just want to see how you think. I remember I was given a riddle of like, hey, you have three three bags of marbles, one white, one black, one mixed. What is the minimum number of balls or marbles you have to pull out to determine which of those are the – correct number or like which of those can be correctly labeled uh with with the with the balls they had and so for me i was like what in the world um but at the end of the day like people just don't care about the answer whether you're asked how many tennis balls can fit in a in a bus versus you know the marble question they just want to figure out hey like can you talk out loud communicate but more importantly problem solve this with me right and i think people are very quick to just jump and being like uh I would, you know, uh, 3 million without actually talking it through. And so it's the process that matters more than the what.
0: Let me ask you a question. When did you realize that you wanted to help people in their career? What moment?
1: The moment for me was when I got into college. So, uh, for, for a little bit of background about me, I come from a first-gen, low-income background, where when I went into college, I went into a private liberal arts business college in the Northeast, uh, and a third of our students were international, so people come from really, really upper class, and so as I got into my college career, the first thing I realized is that everyone around me were getting internships at Goldman, PWC, EY, and it felt like they were just snapping their fingers, and they just got it. And I was like, great on them. They have the network. They have the connections. You should use that. But for me, I realized that I didn't have anything, that I pretty much started from the ground up. And it was at that moment where I was like, you know what? When I eventually get to the point where I can give back, I want I want to start giving back um, because I know what it's like to not have all the resources. I know what it's like to just try and figure it out, struggle, just do things, write it in my notebook to see, yeah, never do that again in an interview, right? And just figure out what works. And so for me, it was going through my own struggles of recruiting for the first three years of my college, sort of figuring out in the latter half. And then once I graduate, being on the opposite side of the table, understanding how companies think about it, then bridging the gap between the two.
0: What do you think is... The, what, is, what do you think is the biggest thing that students fail to realize early on in their career? Like, you just gave that a great example. What do you think, especially when, like, you know, I, I focus, me and you talk about, about this a lot. I focus on first-generation minority students, right? That's right. I was a first-generation low-income minority student. What do you think every first-generation minority student should know walking into their freshman year of college? Like Freshman year, you
1: should know that you can do it. Um but also know that you're going to have to work for it. I think oftentimes where people what what people don't do or they have the misconception of is that hey, you know what, by the time I'm a senior, I'm going to start thinking about my job search, then I'll get a job, life will be easy, good to go. Typically You know, as you think about what recruiting is, recruiting isn't that hard. It's just like you have the resume, the cover letter, job applications. You know, there's only so many steps, but it's understanding how to perfect every step that takes time. And so, for people, you you have to just spend a bunch of time just figuring out what what is it about a resume that makes a recruiter tick. What is it about the interviews that I need to start doing that allows me to share my story better? And the only way to do that isn't to you know. just cram it all in a week, but it's really a journey of just trying and seeing what works for you. And so for people, just know that you can do it and it takes time.
0: You know, a lot of times, common sense is not common practice, <laughs> right? Uh, it's right. not common practice. What is the most common sense advice that you see most students fail to do?
1: I love this question because the analogy of of so a recruiter only has 40 hours in a week, right? You, as a student, let's say you are in a project, a project team, and you are trying to find the best project members that you would want to have on your team because you want a good grade. How would you go and find those people? The exact same methodology that you it's running through your mind, where you say, Well, I'm gonna first find the smartest people in my class, or I'm gonna find the people I worked best with, or I'm gonna find the people that has proven themselves to be just reliable, right? All those things that just kind of go through your mind, that's exactly what a recruiter goes through, right? And so as you're thinking about recruiting and, and adding in that common sense, always just think about, well, how would I do it if I were in their shoes? Because chances are you're going to be 80% right and I promise you that.
0: What is the, what is the most like ninja black belt trick <laughs> that a student can execute in the next five days to get the next... to get an internship this summer, or yeah, to get an internship this summer, like black belt karate, like this yeah. is like ninja. No one's doing it, <laughs> but if you do it, you get a job.
1: <laughs> Especially for first gen minority students, share your story on LinkedIn. It's so rare to see people share their story, but more importantly, we even what you're passionate about because chances are when people see who you are as a person they're able to relate to you and they want to help right so that would be the first thing make sure that you just put your story out there especially if you if, only if you feel comfortable and make sure you do that the second thing is then connect with people in spaces and connect with them as on a deeper level be transparent show a little bit about yourself because people when you network with them 99 of people will ask the same five questions especially when you're networking hey, what do you do as your, you know, uh, what's your day-to-day look like? Hey, how uh, how does a recruiting process work, right? There's only a handful of questions. What people forget is that the other person on the opposite end of the phone is a person. And most people look at them as a job title. The more that you can connect with them as a person, the better off you will be in able to link with that person on a personal level. And if you're able to do that, they will invest so much into you and it is quality over quantity any day, because if that person can't help you with their company, you bet that they'll help you get connected to every other company that they know and have friends in. So really it's just about that personal connection.
0: I, I love that. So I was thinking about this re- lately. So I just interviewed mm-hmm. the chief marketing officer for BombBomb. Bomb. I don't know if you know what BombBomb Bomb is. They're a software company. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so he wrote a book called Rehumanizing Business, mm. okay? And I was thinking about it as I was, I was, I read the book before our interview, so, you know, I want to be prepared, um, unlike our interview, right? I want to be prepared. And here's what I really thought about this, right? And it, it really made me think back at my time at PepsiCo. And so many people that are listening to my podcast know that when I was at PepsiCo for six years, and when I left PepsiCo, I was doing over $100 million in sales a year for the company. And Damn. I managed, I managed from Tennessee to Key West. I managed their relationship between Target, CBS and Wal, and Walgreens. So I did a lot of, and because I was dealing with so much business, like I would go to a sales call and that sales calls will lead to like $6 million, $7 million in business. I became numb to those numbers. That's right. Right. I just became numb. You don't you, you didn't see them as, 100 million you saw 100 mm or you know hundred. Right. Like, they just like you forget the zero like the commas and the zeros that's they right. abbreviate it and it just it's like you're playing poker with poker chips like it just you're in a, it doesn't really matter right that's a good analogy yeah and in business, when you're, when you're working for a fortune 500 and when you're working for a large company, you're dealing with a lot of money. It, 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 you become numb to it when you're in a business setting, but I promise you somebody deposited hundred million dollars in my bank account. I will, <laughs> will not be complaining, yeah, but, right. but, but, but here, here's the thing. So I'm going to bring it back to the recruitment cycle. Yeah. When a company gets thousands of applicants per job opening, like you become numb by the numbers. It's just, that's it's right. a thousand people. So right. the trick, the ninja trick of the, of the, of the month for me is you need to humanize the recruitment process. That's right. Right. The, you have to mother Teresa. I, I don't know if you've ever heard the like, mother Teresa principle or like why, when they, when, when they show you in this commercial, it's like, if you donate $5 a month, you can save this dog. That's right. Like, cause they want to humanize and get this attachment to that dog versus the millions of other dogs that need our help. I think students should humanize, rehumanize the recruitment process. But when you connect to the recruiter, whether it's through LinkedIn or in other form, it is going to allow you to not be one of a thousand people applying for the job. But now it's Jerry applying for the job. It is Daniel right. applying for the job.
1: I love that so much. Cause it goes back to, Hey, if you were to do it, how would you do it? Would you go and, ask everyone and submit their resumes, go through a list of a hundred people, read through texts and say, okay, this person seems to have the best internship, So I'm going to put them on my project team. Or are the first people that's going to go through your mind, uh, well, who do I know in my network who is going to be qualified and know and know that like they'll get the job done. And for most people, they don't want to read through a hundred pieces of paper. Like that's their last resort, right? Like no one likes yep. reading right especially if it just resumes and so you're completely right that at the end of the day humanize because know that on the opposite side of the phone on the opposite side of the recruiting process is another person if you can tackle that you're golden
0: Hey, Daniel here. Hope you're enjoying this first half of the episode. But before we move on to the second half, I wanted to share the story of Luis Guzman, a student that has gone through the academy and found so much success. Enjoy.
2: I am here in the new office for my internship that I got thanks to the Mastering College to Career Academy. I'm with one of the um, top accounting firms in the world. And I wouldn't have done it without... Mastering College to Career Academy and Daniels Patero help. Honestly, I started noticing the difference once I enrolled, because previously, I would apply to pretty much everywhere and I would sit, spend two or three hours to just get the email two weeks later. Hey, I'm sorry, we decided to move forward with a different candidate. But once I enrolled and I started applying the knowledge that um, is in the modules, I started getting um, interviews and eventually offers. and. I'm graduating with four internships and I got a full-time offer in San Francisco with the top accounting firm in the world a year before graduation. So I don't want you to slip on it. This is a no-brainer, it's literally step-by-step step on um, how to become an ideal candidate. I hope you all the best of luck and don't, don't think too much about it.
0: If you want me to help you reach your career goals, just contact me. And now let's get back to the rest of the show. I mean guy if you, it is it's always a, it always comes down to a human to human any business it's human to human it comes down to human to human and i and i i just man it's crazy so i I'm, my LinkedIn is blown up by this recruiter and this student of mine, so let me tell you a quick little story by the time this yeah. comes out it's it's already been successful uh it's already been a successful transaction in this side um i in i this individual she's the v p for recruiting for a Multi-billion-dollar finance company in California. Okay, big, big company in California. They have you know over ten thousand employees, and she was she's in charge of the internship. She told me that because of COVID, they had to go from um they cut down sixty. They they left only one third of their interns, and they moved them to virtually. Many companies wow. do that, right? Yeah. Then I, we were talking, I was learning more about what she was looking for. And she was telling me about one of her internship is in cybersecurity. Yeah. And I go, really? I, one of the students I mentor is, um, it's so passionate about cybersecurity. Let me share with you his LinkedIn profile. Okay. Mm-hmm. I shared the LinkedIn profile. She read it. I was, it was on zoom. So like, yeah. I literally shared my screen. I said, look at this guy. He yeah. is like he's amazing. He has this work ethic, but, you know, I talked him up, you know, he deserves it. He deserves every word I said. She says, I would like to connect with him. Can you connect me? Connect wow. with them. Right. Connected with them. They had a talk. She then set up an interview with the guy in charge of cybersecurity. Right. Wow. I literally just got the message. I'm going to take you, I'm going to send you the screenshot after this. Yeah. She just messaged me and says, guess what? He's joining the internship, I created a spot for him. This is in the middle of a pandemic, right? What? When they they stop, dude, they let go. They they cancel the internships for, for the majority of them. Yeah. When you humanize the process, they make a spot.
1: That is so incredible. And like, that just goes to show like, this is the reason why we're all in this space. Right. It's stories like that, that I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Like that is so awesome to hear. Like, I just had a similar story where uh, one of my friends, who starts, who has an extremely big chatbot agency, was messaging me and, and we're catching up. She was saying, "Hey, like I need two interns. Like I feel like you guys are the best spot to start. Like, what do you guys think?" And I was like, "Perfect. Like I have these three students that I've been mentoring, and I know that they've been really struggling to find an internship, especially." during a pandemic, especially yeah. because they're second year students and it's harder for them to find. And so I connected the dots and she was like, perfect. Like I'm going to set up that interview and though only one of them got through it's awesome to see that. Like just that like five second time of my investment is potentially going to change the way is changing the way that one person is going to spend their time during the summer. It was crazy.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you know, right. Like, that internship sets the foundation for another, for another, exactly. and it's literally a snowball effect. It's literally a snowball effect.
1: Yeah. And at the end of the day, like these internships are just giving you ammo for you to nail your next interview. And then that next interview, hopefully will lead to another job that will just give you more ammo. And so internships are just so key.
0: Let's talk about LinkedIn because man, if LinkedIn, like if you're not trending every hour, like something's wrong with the algorithm <laughs> because you, I, I don't know, at least it feels to me you're trending like every hour. Yeah. Um, so talk to me, man. Talk to me about LinkedIn. What, what, yeah. How did you get involved in LinkedIn in the first place? When, when did it start? And how did you go from I opened the account to what do you have now? Close to 30,000, 27, 26,000 followers?
1: Yeah, it's, so, it's crazy.
0: Talk to me about Um, the journey. Zero count, zero. I just opened that account. Yeah. 26,000.
1: Man, I
0: think I started
1: LinkedIn during my freshman year. So that was what, like six, seven years ago. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, man, like I need to put stuff on here. And so at that point was, I was focused all my time on just finding internships, trying to just beef up my LinkedIn fast forward to my junior senior year. And that's when I started to use the platform more because that was a primary tool that I used to start connecting with alumni, with people who I wanted to work under and learn from. And now fast forward a year after that, when I graduated, that's when I was like, you know what, I'm going to do what I can to share my story, to share the learnings that I've had. But more importantly, I want to start giving people the tools so that they can learn to recruit for themselves, right? Like Daniel and I were just talking, like, recruiting doesn't work unless you do, right? If someone's selling you a magic pill to swallow and they're like, you'll get an internship, then they're selling you snake oil, right? Recruiting is merely a function of time and effort and how well you're able to use the tools that you have just accelerates that process even more right? And the more I began to learn about what recruiting looks like on both sides of the coin, the more I'm beginning to realize that there's such a huge educational gap that I see, and I want to help fill that gap, which led me to creating content. And I was even inspired by more by one of my really good friends and business partner, Jonathan Javier, when I saw he was a huge uh, advocate and user of LinkedIn. And what was crazy is um, he was in LA at the time when we first got connected I was like, Hey, when you move up to the Bay, we have to do one of these workshops together. Cause I am so passionate about sharing pers- uh, professional development for others. He was like, let's do it. As soon as he moves, that's when everything just boomed. We had, we, we've gotten so much more connected to the recruiting industries across top tech firms. We're beginning to, I'm a huge fan of pattern recognition, and so we're beginning to see the six, three things that they keep saying, we translate that into content that's super easily digestible to people, and the followers, the likes, all that stuff comes afterwards, but for me, it's all about, would freshman year Jerry benefit if he read this, right? And that's the key thing I always have in mind. so the LinkedIn journey has been crazy. There have been crazy ups and downs. I've had my fair share of haters where people were like, Jerry's the absolute worst. I don't know why he's posting things on LinkedIn. But on the opposite side, I hear these stories of, hey, Jerry, I've been following you for a year and a half. I just want to say I landed my first full-time job after being unemployed for three years. And I, 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 I think most majority of that I have to think for you, right? And so it's it's a crazy journey but it's one that i'm so thankful for because 30 minutes, 1 hour of my time could have could potentially change the way someone tackles recruiting, it could t- change the way of the course of their life.
0: You know, it's super interesting uh, your your journey with LinkedIn and it's it's amazing because like when i first got my first hater message, oh man, it it hit me, man. It hit my ego. Like it really it really hurt. I hear and it was, you. It was actually my wife that was like, babe, like for, for every hater message you got, you've gotten a hundred messages of people saying, thank you. That's like, right. Thank you. Right. Um, and so you, you're always going to have, you're going to have those haters. Oh man. And, and so like, I can, I can definitely relate to that. And then one other thing I have to like students understand is this guys, it is, there's this flywheel effect that I've noticed with LinkedIn and even all social media. You think, okay, it took me, it took me, you know, and I want you to have quality over quantity too, but let's say it took you 500. Uh, it took you two years to get to 500 connections. It's mm-hmm. not going to take you two years to get to a thousand.
1: That's right.
0: Right. And, and, and like, I, I, like, let's talk about Jonathan for a second. I've, you know, He's like gone up like by like 10,000 connections in the last two months because he's been putting so much great content out there that it probably took him four years to even get to the first 10,000 connections. That's right. Right. And so there's this flywheel effect that is going to allow you to exponentially grow, which is the same way that Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn can go from a million daily users to 10 million in, in a year. So that's going to work in your advantage as well. As long as you, you're the quality of your content is there. So stay consistent. You know, exactly. if, you, if you put crap in, you're going to get crap out.
1: That's right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and one thing I really want to emphasize, especially as you were talking about that is you want to be solving a needs. You don't want to be posting just to post to get followers, right? Cause when you do that, you end up in a really nasty cycle. And I've, and I've been through this too, where I've posted to try to optimize for likes I didn't get the likes. I beat myself up. And I'm like, why, why isn't this working? Right. And then I got into this cycle of like, man, like maybe I should take a break from LinkedIn. I came back and I realized that my heart wasn't in the right place. Yeah. Right? And when your heart's in the right place, people see it, people notice it. And at the end of the day, like you want to be purpose-driven, not followers or likes driven.
0: Yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, Jerry, man. Any last couple of words? Where can they get a hold of you? How can they reach you? Where can they learn about one soul thing? Like, how do they follow your great content if if they're not already following which I would, I highly doubt it. But if you, yeah, uh, well, first
1: make sure you check out Daniel's content first. And then when she, and then if you're like, all right, I want some B tier advice, then you can come to me.
0: No, Um, I, 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 I think they should check out both. I I really think, I honestly believe. I much rather you be checking out Jerry's content than you checking <laughs> out something somebody else's content because it's probably not—it's definitely not as good as Jerry's.
1: Yeah, I, no, I really appreciate that, Daniel. Um, but you guys can find us at oneulting.com, or if you want to follow, uh, message me personally. Uh, just look up Jerry Lee Google. I'll probably be one of the first ones up there, um, and if you send me a message, uh, I will reply, um, and that is my promise to you. It may take me a week. Don't hate me, but <laughs> I will get back to you. So uh let's stay connected
0: jerry man thank you so much i'll put him i'll put one saltine website i'll put your linkedin all out in the show notes so you can find that it'll be easy and yeah i mean you you just need to follow him like i mean him and jonathan rocking the world better follow him now before he cannot get to a point we cannot reply to every message because it will happen all right guys thank you guys so much for listening jerry man you're, you're the man i look forward to staying connected
1: thank you daniel for having me on
0: Everybody, thank you guys so much for listening and catch you guys on the next episode. All right, my friend, congratulations for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. In the age of short attention span, this speaks volumes of you. So now, if you find value in this Episode that I am sure you're going to find value in the Mastering College to Career Academy. So, if you want to learn more a little bit about that academy, go to masteringcollege2career.com or just send me a message. And thank you so much for listening, and catch you guys all on the next.